Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road, rainy Cat Swamp Road today. So I want to thank you so much for clicking in and tuning in. And before I forget, I have to tell you that we have you have to uh, the contest obviously just started last week, so it's going to go to and the the winner is going to be announced the first week in December. And if you don't know what that's about because you missed last week's show, I'm going to be giving away three books and uh, one to each person. <clears throat> so I'm asking you to either send me a mail email at hotrodfarmerfarmmachinerydigest.com or go to my website and click on the link for to win a license plate to get into that contest which if you do that that'll count that'll put you in both contests and what i need for you to do is put your name there and uh, your contact information and then you could say which book you would be interested in winning but you say i don't know what the books are well i'm going to tell you all right it's two cylinder and they're beautiful books they're brand new hard covered books what we call in the business coffee table books so it's excuse me my throat's already acting up i'm one minute into the show two cylinder john deere tractors by rod beamer international harvester trucks the complete story that's quite a nice they're all nice books but this is a big book very big and that's by mr patrick foster and then farm all the golden age 1924 to 1954 by lee clancher so those are the three books so just fill either send me an email or fill out that form and what you could do is uh on the form if you go to the hot rod license plate form you could just put uh you just put john deere in ih or farm all you could put it right with the address where, where i would ask you to put your mailing address all right so uh that is that so you could do it that way and you will get into that drawing and i will announce all three winners that first week of December on both the Idle Chatter podcast and Farm Machinery Digest Radio and Sirius XM. So both shows are getting into the contest. So you better just get in there and get your name. It's not first come, first serve. I'm going to put everybody's name in a in a box. I, I would say a metaphorical hat. <clears throat> and then uh, pick out a name and uh what i'll do is i'll separate them into three categories so this way i know otherwise i'll go nuts uh this way i know this these people want the john deere book the ih book or the farmer book all right so uh i wish you all the best with that right i can't say luck because as a christian we don't believe in luck but i wish you the best and hopefully you uh win a book all right so that is that uh I wanted to bring you up to date. And the reason why I always, I tell you, I always bring you guys up to date because number one, I look at you as family, think of you as family. But also, you know, everybody's life life experience, not just mine. I have nothing special, all right? Uh, your life experience, the guy down the road's life experience, the guy sitting next to you in church, you could learn from all those life experiences. And that's why I like to talk to people. And that's why I share these things with you because this what that's what we're all about here, education, because the educated farmer is the most profitable. So what I basically did is I had ordered my new meter and it's an amp probe brand, excuse me, which I found out, uh, well, I found out before I ordered it. Actually, I got the model number from... Uh, the representative but amp probe is owned by fluke and fluke meters are cadillac i mean they're top they're very good very excellent excellent meters and amp probe is a division that's owned by fluke so uh and i purchased the amp probe acdc dash 52 number 52 nav capital n capital a capital v and that is a handheld <clears throat> clamp meter and it has many functions it's a basically a digital uh, a multimeter plus 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 and with the clamp feature so if you wanted to read current you just clamp it on its inductive clamp but it has the ability to read total harmonic distortion and i've beat you guys up with this in the last podcast i was talking about that so the meter, uh, <clears throat> the first place I ordered it from was the least expensive, 
but they didn't have it. And then they told me, I may have told you this last week, and they told me that they, it's on back order till February. So I know that February turns into March, April, May, June, and I really didn't want to wait that long. So I found another distributor that had it. It's all mail order. You couldn't find somebody locally who had it for love of money unless you happen to live next to one of these mail order houses. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, they were $45 more for the same meter, but they had two in stock and they could ship it immediately. So I said, okay, fine. So I canceled the one order. I ordered the meter. The meter came very, both places were excellent to deal with, even though the first one it never came to fruition because they didn't have the meter. But anyway, so the meter came. I was really excited about it and uh, take it out, uh, package it up nicely, take it out. And, I, and it's, uh, I'm not going to say it's a complicated meter, but it's comp, I mean, it has a lot of functions on it, so you have to learn how to navigate it, right? So when I get a test instrument like that, the first thing I like to do is sit at my desk and play with it and navigate it before I put any leads in or anything because uh, you have to know how to use it. So anyway, I, and I, I purchased this primarily for total harmonic distortion. I mean, 99.9% because I have a multimeter. It's not the greatest one, but I have them, but it serves my purposes. So I immediately, so I look at the manual, obviously. I was a technical writer. You got to look in the manual, right? That's uh, always read the manual. And uh, a little bit disappointed in the manual, but I'm critical of that stuff. So anyway, so between my my uh, life experience with using meters prior to this and other walks of uh, other aspects of the different walks of life i had and the manual i said well how hard can this be right it's kind of intuitive so that's good well i couldn't get they use a joystick it's a button but they call it a joystick so it's not sticking up like a joystick but you move it like a joystick with your thumb or whatever finger it, le it lends itself to use your thumb but anyway uh and I couldn't get it to work. I could get it to move everything, but inconsistently. And then the, the manual says that I was very concerned about THD, total harmonic distortion, because that's what I bought it for. So I go to THD and says, the manual says, press enter. And then you could toggle left and right, and you could toggle back and forth between total harmonic distortion, which is going to be red in percent. And then you could toggle back to voltage. And they have an illustration of what the screen should look like. Well, once again, like my Briggs and Strat manual, nothing matches. I mean, this is brand new. I just got it. It's not like it's a, I mean, it, it, was, it was just made in 2022, according to the, the, the data on it. So I'm playing with this, playing with this, playing with this. So I call up the company <clears throat> that I bought it from. They obviously know nothing about it. And that's no disrespect. They're like a, a, a test instrument supermarket or superstore so i can't expect them to know they must have eight or ten thousand items in their, on their catalog so i can't expect them to be intimate with everything so i call up fluke over to the amp probe division i get somebody i told him what's happening he's not familiar with the meter at all even though he works with the company and i said to him well you know the meter is probably not there's a couple of different models um but the joystick control seems to be the same from what i could see on your website with all of them so i i told him what was happening and i couldn't get to a certain and then when i press enter nothing happened so so he concluded i said i think this thing is defective so he concluded that it's defective also but he really didn't know anything very nice but didn't know anything right so I, so I said to him, I'd like to return it. It says, no hassle warranty. He says, well, how long do you have it? I said, about, I just got it last night. I said, I have like eight hours. So he goes, no, you have to, less than 30 days, you have to go back to the retailer. So I go back to the, go call the retailer. Very, very nice. He said, no problem. They said, I said, do you still have the other one in stock? Because they only had two. They said, yes. So I said, oh, so what they said to me, what we could do is if we charge your credit card for the second one. So now I have three charges for this meter your credit card for the second one then we could ship this one immediately and then when we get the we'll send you return authorization for the bad one and then we get that we'll charge you credit cards so i said fine that's fine i really want to get the meter and so i could start to uh, bring this information to my audience you guys 
So they said, okay, fine, we do that. So they're going to send me a um, return authorization number and a UPS thing. So just bring it to the UPS or the UPS store and drop it off. Well, anyway, I won't even go with that. That wasn't that simple because they, whatever, they didn't, they were supposed to send it as, a, as an attachment, but the attachment wasn't there. So we won't even go there with that. So anyway, but the new meter comes the same day I brought it to the UPS store. Beautiful, very happy. And I open up the meter just before I did the show today. Just came last night. And uh, I take it out, you know, and a little bit of trepidation because, uh, and well, it's the exact same thing. It's doing, it's responding in the exact same way that it, that the other one that I just sent back yesterday did. So I said, oh God, I said, I should have, I know when I sent it back, I said to myself, I should have copied down the serial number because I know from the auto industry, they could say, okay, serial numbers one through a thousand, we all put, making a bad alternators on them. So maybe these all came off the assembly line the same time and they went to the same one distributor. I mean, so that's very, very possible that they all come off the assembly line together. They get boxed up, they go to this place in Massachusetts where I bought it from. So anyway, but I didn't do that. So I'm kicking myself. So I called the distributor back and I said, I just, I, well, they don't know, I got another person, they don't know anything about it. So I'll give you, I'll give you Amp Probe's number. So they gave me Amp Probe's number. I called them up, which I had in the manual, but I didn't have to want to take the manual back out again. I really didn't want to unpackage it. I'm just playing with the navigation. So I'm, I'm basically nowhere <laughs> different than I was five days ago, four days ago. So... I call through there and I'm sitting at my desk playing with it and I'm saying to myself, you know, it's got to be me. It has to be me. I must be doing something wrong. And I'm reading the manual. I have the manual open and page 10 of the manual. I'm intimate with it and nothing matches and the instructions and I'm doing that and it's beeping and it's doing everything, but it's not doing, it's not choosing that, that, that function. All right. So it's on AC voltage. I'm supposed to go to total harmonic distortion and i want to go to hertz and does, it's not recognizing but it recognizes high low scale so it's the exact same as the old one did or the old one meaning the first new one so i get somebody on the phone at, at fluke slash amp probe very very nice and he says geez you know i don't have one of those meters here and i told him same thing well the joystick control looks like it's the same in all your other meters and i'm following so he says let me go he says can you hold on so i said let me let me see if i could find one or find someone that has one right so i'm sitting at my desk i've got the phone you know on he's got me on hold i'm playing with the meter in anticipation of him walking me through it right well i figure out what's wrong with it the instruct two things are wrong with it Two things are wrong with it, and there's nothing wrong with it, if that makes sense. So I guarantee you the first meter that I got, there was nothing wrong with it also. My dad would call it pilot error, but it was also, so I'm going to take 60% of the blame for being a lousy pilot and 40% of the blame for the book being wrong and the instructions being wrong and the pictures they show you being wrong. So what what I found out is that two things number one is that the membrane for the joystick and i've worked with those membranes before like on the keyboards that it needs to be broken in and i'll talk about that in a second and the other thing is that the instructions so that's not the instructions but the instructions are wrong because the instructions tell you select the function press the button down the joystick down for enter it says enter on it i press it it'll beep and then toggle left and right to get to the two those two functions total this one happens to be total harmonic distortion and and voltage well when i do that toggle left and right it changes to a different function it doesn't stay in there well the instruction manual is wrong because you don't toggle it left and right you keep you, you toggle the enter button so you get to whatever function you want thd you press enter it beeps then it's going to be on one of either voltage or percentage of total harmonic distortion. And then if you want to go to the other screen, you press the button again, it goes to the end, it toggles back and forth between the two screens. So the, about five, six minutes later, the guy back, gets back on the phone. He says, geez, I've been walking around here trying to find something. I'm sorry it took so long. I said, no problem. I said, I figured it out on my own. Walk. He said, really? That's great. He says, what did you do? 
so I could learn. <laughs> so anyway, so I told myself, what I'm going to do is when I get done, I, I said, you can't, you have to go to AC first. You have to go, to, so the instructions say you could navigate and jump all around. You have to go to AC first and then go up to total harmonic distortion and then either go to Hertz or go back down from AC and go over to Hertz. So you have to identify that and you don't toggle it left and right. You have to press the button again and that'll change the screen within that same function. So he says, oh, and I said to him also, the joystick seems to be very, very um, unreactive. So I said to him, I've experienced stuff like that. I'm not not with your joystick, but I said, when, I, when they get done with you, I said, I'm going to shut off the meter because I don't want to drive it crazy. And then I'm going to keep playing with the joystick. So what I do when I do something like that, that's only what I do, all right, is that even when I shake a can, let's just, you know, shake well, a can of paint or a can of uh, penetrating oil or something, I always count it because human nature being what it is, you will think, you, you know, if it says shake shake for 30 seconds or shake for 60 seconds or do this right i always count it so what i did is that i counted so i pressed the button the enter button in a hundred times count one through a hundred and then i toggled left 50 times up 50 times right 50 times and down 50 times so that's 200 so i have 300 cycles now on the joystick and it feels much looser and it's much more responsive and then and i saw so it's so the, the meter is a beautiful meter i love it i mean i love the right when i got it. you could feel it's of substance and lead it just for i mean it's a professional meter it's not something from radio shack all right so i mean it's a 400 dollar meter actually it's be 455 dollars so it's not i mean it's not a four thousand dollar meter that they have but it's i mean it's like i said it's a nice meter so once i did that i was able to check my total harmonic distortion in the house very easy takes you longer to take the meter and turn it on all right and if you listen to my hot rod farmer a short show i said that you have to get into a habit of checking the voltage the frequency and the total harmonic in your house your farm shop if you're running a generator backup generator or a portable generator because you're going almost everything today is delicate electronics or sensitive electronics i mean so even you know your refrigerator probably has some kind of control board and your washing machine so even if you don't have anything crazy all right you probably have much more delicate electronics than you would than you were aware of that you had so i checked my total harmonic distortion from the power company from jcpnl and it's right at 2.7 percent and the frequency i have another frequency meter but this confirmed that that uh that that's all right so it's at 60 60.1 hertz so that's all beautiful but so my thd in the house is from jcpnl is 2.7 percent today right now when i checked it before i did the show and uh, so i'm going to make a uh, a chart for myself like a spreadsheet and i'm going to leave the meter out and then i'm going to check maybe for a week five or six or seven times a day i'm going to check the thd and uh, the hertz i know because i check that all the time and check that and then i could get an aggregate of that and make sure that they're not skewing it and then i'm going to put together a protocol and check the new generator the generac generator gp8000e which you've heard more about it than you like <laughs> and then if you listen to last week's show that james condon the generator guru is making great headway with my generator and uh found a little uh, bad circuit breaker and a couple of mickey mouse things so then i'm going to make a test protocol for my generator generac i'm going to do it unloaded i'm going to do 1500 watts on one leg with the other leg open the next then i'm going to do 1500 watts on each leg at the same time and then i'm going to i'm going to run out i'm going to use my heat gun and maybe my wife's hair dryer but then i'll then i'll do unbalanced i'll do 1500 watts on one leg and 3000 watts on the other for 4500 so that should be just about a little bit more just about half its rated load and i'm going to document the thd on all of that and the frequency the hertz and the voltage so i'll make myself a spreadsheet and then i will send that meter i will mail it up to james 
I kept the original packaging, and then he's going to get for his audience, and hopefully for my audience, a whole bunch of data from the different generators that he has there, and I will share that with you, and I'm sure he will share it with you also in a different way, different format, and then he could check my Briggs while he has it. So when we get done with this, we're going to have more THD values than probably anybody uh, uh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say in the in the digital world and the internet because you can't find this information people do youtube they check one thing or two things and that's it so we're gonna have this whole catalog of thd values i'm gonna have running thd from my house and then every time i run the generator even for exercise i'm gonna check thd and then when if the god forbid the power goes out and we have to power up the house i'm going to be checking thd so between james condon and if you didn't listen last week go to his youtube channel it's just james condon youtube and he is the this the, the portable generator guru i mean un, man has wonderful knowledge of those generators and as i said in last week's show when he's going through them, you're actually with him. He's actually filming the diagnostics he's doing. It's not like he's telling you the story after the fact, like coming home from the war and telling you the story. You're right there with him. So you're finding out the values and what he's, uh, right when he's seeing it, when he's finding it out. So that's really a wonderful learning experience. So I'm really excited about that, all right, and getting this THD and uh, getting this, this out to my to my audience and hopefully his audience. I'm just gonna put the drags on for a second and take a drink. <clears throat> well, that was a <clears throat> that was a long second, right? The drags are made more than a pass already, and that's uh, top fuel drags a three second pass. Alrighty, <clears throat> so that is that. So please enter the contest for the three books, the John Deere. The farm world or the international harvester trucks not track the book contact me for that you know about my meter but the thing basically is is that you know as i want to just get back to because i got off myself on a tangent i got a little excited and i just thought to say to you whenever i do something i count it so if it has to be repetition so even uh so if i lubricate a lock i'll say to myself well i want to put i want to put the key in there and turn it 50 times or 25 times not a thousand times if i do something like that and and i suggest to you to evoke the same type of protocol when you do something whether it's shaking something up whether it's lubricating something so like the other day i serviced my john deere lawn tractor of a d110 and uh and then i lubricated with with clear silicone all the, the linkages and the pivot points that aren't greasable, and then I work them back and forth. So I say, okay, I'm going to work it back and forth 20 times. I'm going to work it back and forth. You know, I'm going to work this back and forth 15 times, whatever it may be. Come up with your own number. But even like a lock, uh, if you lubricate the locks in your house or you go you, you go to farm shop or whatever, or lubricate them in your car, your pickup truck, the, the farm track, the, you know, really, in all honesty, uh, I mean, if you live out, I mean, that if you live out in the country, you may not lock the house for a week. So you lubricating the lock, and then you say to yourself, okay, fine, you are lubricate, why is it still sticky? Well, you never work the lubricant in, the silicone or the graphite in, because you only lock the house once a week. You lock it when you go to church, and you unlock it when you come home. All right, so it would actually take you, you know, the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the metaphorical month of Sundays to get 16 or uh well four eight eight uh, eight cycles of that lock all right twice a week so maybe you lock the house 15 times a day i don't know so whenever you're doing something or you're working something in or you're lubricating always recognize the duty cycle of that so so that you could actually evoke something and break it in and uh and we'll get work that lubricant in because if it's something that's not used very often for instance like the passenger side on my car then if you're going to lubricate it then you say i'm going to stand there and swing the door 50 times because that door is not going to be open the back door left back the left the two back doors on my fiesta are not going to be open 50 times in a year other than me vacuuming and cleaning the windows 
So, so that's basically that. So you know, always, always think of a protocol for whatever you're doing. You know, because that's going to make it much, much more effective. Because lots of times you could send yourself down a wrong diagnostic path. You could say, okay, well, geez, you know, uh, this switch is sticking, right? Well, it's sticking because it's new and it needs to be worked back and forth twenty times, and then twenty times is uh, now everything is 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 made it together. So whatever. I'm not going to belabor it. I have a, uh, a habit of beating you guys up and doing that. And, and you know, I'm going to say I'm guilty of that with an explanation because you have to remember part of my background is that I was in a, I did a training seminars to both first in the automotive industry and then to the agricultural and automotive industry. And one of the things when you're doing a training seminar or you're a teacher, you get to read the face of the audience. So if you say something and you could see like everybody's looking like you, you, you could tell whether they got it or didn't get it. And then, and then you could, you could either repeat it or, or I've, you know, in training seminars, I've actually said, all right, you know, looking looking at everybody's facial expression, I didn't do a good job explaining this because everybody looks like they don't understand it. But when you're doing a podcast or radio show, I'm putting this information out, whether it's data or, or whatever it may be, and I can't read your face, right? So I can't tell whether you uh, are understanding it or getting it or or am I confusing you? So that's lots of times why I repeat stuff or come about it in a different, a slightly different angle because I have no idea of whether it's it it's <clears throat> whether you're and I'm saying respecting the grasping uh, what I'm talking about or what I'm trying to explain. And if and if you're not grasping it, the onus is on me, not on you. All right, that you didn't not you didn't understand it because I didn't do a good job explaining it. All right. <clears throat> so with that segue half hour into the show uh but i'm really excited and i will be getting you this data from the thd and uh i'm, I'm excited to be able to get this data from jim's generators from my generators from the weeks of jcpnl electricity everything so be very very good very good interesting so the other thing i wanted to talk about was to tell you about what today's episode is going to be about and what it's going to be about is almost, that's eh, really not in the same vein, but I'm going to talk about the hysteresis of knock. And uh, the hysteresis of knock is very important. And a matter of fact, I've gotten into some, uh, I guess, uh, arguments. I mean, they're not, not fistfight type of arguments. And they were through emails and what have you. I mean, every, how everybody communicates today. I hate that. Because then again, you can't tell the person's face. You can't tell lots of times if I want to talk to somebody and I want to say something to them, I'll leave them a voicemail message because it's so easy with a with an email for the person to get the wrong tone or you put the wrong punctuation in there or something and the person gets the wrong tone, either positive, oh geez, I'm crashing into the desk here, positive or negative. So I say, I'll leave you a voicemail message because I want you to hear the sincerity in my voice. And I think that's very important sometimes. Not with everything, but sometimes it's important. But I've gotten into some heated uh, emails back and forth with a couple of people from the... uh, They're in the ethanol industry, and uh, no disrespect. And and I understand to a certain extent where they're coming from. But, you know, you got to call... I mean, you got to call it like it is. I mean, and I love ethanol. I've said this before on the show, but you got to call it like it is. I mean, it's just like my, like I said, I love my wife dearly. I mean, but she's not a good cook. I mean, that's, she can't hear me. (laughs) But she's got a lot of other attributes. I mean, I try my best to be uh, the, the, uh, to, to be the, I try my best to be the best. Here's I'm using a press twice in a sentence. I try to be the best husband I can to her, all right? But I'm not a woodworker. I mean, some of you guys are so... Wood and I do not get along. I mean, do not not get along. You want to give me a piece of wood? I mean, I'll either crack it or I'll... uh, I mean, I'm not a good... I'm not a woodworker, all right? So wood and I don't get along. But so, hey... So just like my wife is not a good cook, I'm not a good woodworker. So if she needs, so if we need something fixed with wood, I mean, I'll fumble my way through it, 
all right and it'll be okay but it's not going to be something it'll be fun it'll be it'll be functional it won't be pretty and that's basically about it so i stop at the functionality if it's anything that has to be functional and pretty then i call my friend jake who's a carpenter wonderful carpenter and that's basically it because i'm not gonna i'll mess that up i mean it'll be ugly it may, may hold the thing up but it'll be ugly as anything so the thing is, so why do I get into fights with these people or arguments with these people with the ethanol industry? Because the ethanol industry loves to push octane. And I've done a show about that a while back about octane and what have you. You know, that's not, it's not the, it's not the be all end all of everything in the world when it comes to gasoline and, and you know, fuel, fueling an engine. I mean, it's an important element, but it's not everything in the world. And they keep talking about octane. And I come back and say to them, well, is the hysteresis of knock? And then they don't really want to talk about that. They talk about knock, so knock retard, which is a function of the hysteresis of knock. But the hysteresis of knock is really what is a dynamic that is happening with knock retard. So that is what we're going to talk about, the hysteresis of knock. And I'm also going to explain to you the hysteresis of other things where you could take it and you could you could take this and go over to something else with it and make your own connection in your segue but whenever you have a control circuit you have to have some sort of hysteresis and what a hysteresis basically is in simplistic terms is that it's two different set points so it's a it's one set point for on and another set point for off or if you look at a more con, uh, a PID loop, uh, a more defined PID loop or a more complicated PID loop, it'll actually even have an idea where it'll 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 um, come in stronger or come in weaker or or what have you. So in other words, let's say like a cruise control system, all right? So uh, early cruise controls were very mechanical, so they were very jerky with the throttle whereas you could have a more modern cruise control with a PID loop, and if the speed is only, let's say, two miles per hour off, it's not going to stick the thing to the floor and mat it to try to pick pick up two miles and release the throttle like the old cruise controls did in the 60s. All right, they weren't that bad, but I'm exaggerating it. So, but the hysteresis would be a turn-on, turn-off temperature, and the thing is that you you could look at your refrigerator or look at an air conditioner and the reason why i use those is because there's something that everybody is exposed to and they're quite obvious so let's say arguably you have the thermostat and same thing thermostat in a house all right this thermostat let's even use that because it's probably a better example all right so you have a thermostat in the house so let's say you have it set in the winter at 68 degrees so the so the heating system evokes whatever type of heating system you have it gets up to it gets up to 68 degrees all right and then it basically shuts off now arguably if that thermostat uh went and went down to 67 degrees if it didn't have a hysteresis of range then the the heating system would kick back on i'm going to say the boiler because that's what i have but the heating system is going to kick right back on right so it constantly be toggling 67 kicks back on 68 shuts off kicks so a hysteresis would say okay and a well pump i mean every 99 of you people you appear to a nice way my wife says don't ever say that's derogatory i don't mean it to be derogatory but 99 probably 95 percent of the listeners are familiar with a well pump so in a well pump which is probably even a better example i'm more talking about a better example is that you'll say you'll have a like my well pump has a 40 60 switch so when the pressure in the in the tank the storage tank drops below 40 all right it evokes the pump and when it gets up to 60 in the tank it shuts the pump off so that 20 20 pounds of pressure is the hysteresis so it goes if then again to make another example is that if the if it shut off at 60 and turned on at 59 you'd be short cycling the pump all the time and with electric motor you don't want to short cycle it like with a well pump you want to have it run for at least a minute and a half so you want to size your well tank and also your pump that is well we have a submersible but your pump 
that it's going to take about a, at least a minute, a minute to a minute and a half. I mean, the people that I've worked with said they like a minute and a half. All right, some people may say oh, a minute is good, but you want to, so you don't want to have a 500 horsepower pump there that you turn it on and it fills a tank like this, like a drag motor in two seconds, right? Because you're short cycling the pump. Because on an electric motor, uh, just like anything with a car or a farm tractor or what have you, or a header on a tom- combine, is that there's a, a moment of inertia and where it starts to move and an electric motor it takes more energy to start it right that surge voltage or that sometimes they call it inrush amperage and my meter could measure in my new meter could measure inrush amperage so that's a surge of electricity because of a body at rest takes more energy to get it moving than a body that's already in motion so every time you're starting and stopping something electrical you're having this surge come in so on a motor a motor or compressor on a air conditioner or what have you or or your shop compressor same thing it's a motor right so so you have this history you have to you have to cut off the cut on uh pressure on a well tank and many other things refrigerator uh a whole cadre of different things right cooling fan on an engine right a grain bin dryer so so we could go on for an hour naming different things so with an engine that has a closed loop timing control system this is a gasoline engine not a not a compression ignition not a diesel they have what they call the hysteresis of knock and what the hysteresis of knock is that in simplistic terms if you have a closed loop timing control system then what will happen is that it has to first hear detonation how does it hear detonation it doesn't have a microphone it uses what's called a knock sensor which is a piezoelectric accelerometer basically it's an electronic tuning fork and it's tuned when i say it's tuned the frequency is adjusted for the knock pattern of that particular engine all right because just like each person has a, a voice pattern so you could hear my voice and i think it's gravelly and and whatever sounding and some people say i got an accent i don't believe i have one all right if you think i do that's fine all right you could you could put the radio no oh, that's that's that hot rod farmer talking right all right so the thing is that so my voice has a certain sound so what has happened is that every that certain that since every engine has its own sound when it goes into abnormal combustion which is the proper term than detonation abnormal combustion because it depends where the piston is in its stroke of when the and how the uh the rogue flame front starts so anyway so what i'm saying is each engine is going to have its own voice pattern knock pattern sound pattern frequency it doesn't mean two of the same coming off the assembly line is going to uh have different patterns no if you had a a 3.5 liter ford versus a 3.5 liter chevy versus a 3.6 liter chrysler motor it's going to have they're going to have different voices just like two different people have different voices right so the knock sensor is tuned to that frequency but also the knock sensor is tuned is i'll use the word dampened it's dampened two ways by design of the piezoelectric accelerometer and also within the software that it says okay it may say well ignore that ignore that till it gets to this particular point all right and the thing is that so it does have a dampening function two ways in it but then at one particular point it's going to recognize the that the engine is uh, is experiencing abnormal combustion right so that that's when we're getting to the hysteresis of knock so let's say that you were going down the road and that's why these ethanol guys fight with me if you're going down the road and the that based upon the parameters that are that are programmed into that engine management management system the rpm the load on the engine the speed the throttle angle all right all of these come together the temperature of the coolant the temperature of the air all right and it says okay we'll use easy arithmetic that that for these conditions the engine will want 30 degrees of spark advance okay so you're going down the road 30 degrees of spark advance your table tabletop flat wherever you are right 30 you're not modulating the throttle 30 degrees of spark advance and now all of a sudden 
the engine experiences an abnormal combustion event why does it experience an event well maybe you start to pull maybe there's a headwind blowing and you're stressing the engine more because it has a lower octane gas it's carbon whatever it is so we have an abnormal combustion event all right so now this engine which all modern engines the past 30 years have is what they call closed loop timing control it's a pid loop proportional integral derivative all right so the thing basically is it listens for the knock and says okay the knock sensor says hey when we have abnormal combustion to the ecu that's all it does it's like a sentry it just yells it out it doesn't physically yell it. it sends a voltage all right and now the ecu looks at that depending upon how much how much abnormal combustion sort it has an algorithm and it's going to take timing out retard the timing right to stop the abnormal combustion right so now what happens is that i'm working my way into the hysteresis of knock so we have 30 degrees and the engine starts to starts to go into abnormal combustion it doesn't pull out one degree into 29 okay it's still not still abnormal 28 it has this algorithm that looks at a lot of functions quickly and it pulls out a ton of timing so now it goes from 20 degrees i mean from 10 30 degrees down to 20 degrees all right so why does it do that it does it for two well i'll say a number of reasons i won't quantify a number with it all right the first thing is that it wants to immediately stop the abnormal combustion because a number of things happen you have the you have when abnormal combustion happens in the gasoline engine oxides of nitrogen oxides of nitrogen emissions go sky high and on a diesel we don't have that per se so but that's what the scr system the def is on a diesel too to decrease the oxides of nitrogen uh well not decrease the production to clean it up before it gets into the air that's what it's scrubbing it afterwards all right it's already making oxides of nitrogen the engine is making it because that's through pressure heat and exposure time it's called the zeldovich equation i've beat you guys up with that many times so the first thing they wanted to do is they wanted to stop this this abnormal combustion because the oxides of nitrogen are going to spike the second thing is you during that abnormal combustion event you're going to it's going to superheat the crown of the piston which is the top of the piston so what they want to do is they want to get it get out of get out of dodge as quickly as possible put to bed this abnormal combustion event and then what they want to do is they want to retard the timing the ignition timing so it's going to it's it's going to be less advanced when you say retarded doesn't mean it's necessarily uh after top dead center it could be all right but it went from 30 to 20 because they want to cool off the piston crown because that is called the hysteresis of knock so if you didn't cool off the piston crown and you put it right back to 30 degrees that there is a great propensity for the engine to experience abnormal combustion again and that is why you don't want to be when i'm saying bouncing off you don't want to be dependent on the knock sensor that constantly pulling timing out so that happens with a lot of guys who drag race they'll put timing in and then they'll say oh well, the knock sensor will take it out but it's going to take out more than it needs to, to 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 put that abnormal combustion event to bed meaning the bed to end it because it's going to have so many cycles of the pistons with the with the retarded from the the best timing scenario to cool off the piston crown because otherwise there would be like having the well pump kick on at 60 kick on at 59 it would go so the hysteresis of knock is the amount of timing that the that the processor which is a calibration that's not it's not some voodoo or something into the where it's, it's a, looking at tarot cards to try to do it somebody's calibrated the calibration right to pull enough timing out for as many cycles of the crankshaft so because if you if you don't have enough crankshaft cycles and pump and let it cool off you're not going to cool off that piston crown and that's one of the reasons why i always you know speak about carbon deposits on the piston because carbon deposits on the piston are going to be two things number one are they going to be more prone 
to evoke an abnormal combustion event, but they're also going to remain superheated longer. So the hysteresis of knock is going to have to be longer. You're going to have to run a longer period of time with the timing retarded, which is going to kill power and fuel economy to cool that piston off because that carbon is holding the heat in. It's holding the heat in itself and holding the heat in the crown. It's acting as an insulator. So it's very, very important. So this, so why do I fight with these guys from the... Uh, from the ethanol industry because they're not recognizing the hysteresis of knock and what i'm basically telling them i'm not i'm not against octane but octane in an engine is just like aspirin in a bottle in your medicine cabinet if you don't have a headache or you don't have some sort of ache and pain we'll use a headache and you take the aspirin well nothing is going to happen right I mean, other than you putting a chemical in your body that you don't need. But there's not going to be, just like if you're having crops and you have no 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 disease on it, you put a fungicide, you're not going to get any crop yield, any bump in your yield because there's no reason for it to need fungicide, right? Are you going to put... Uh, are you going to put stop leak in a, in a, in a tire that doesn't have a, you know, that green goop, whatever they call it, it doesn't have a leak? No, you're not going to. So I say, oh, I put that stuff and nothing happened. Well, nothing happened because you didn't have a leak, all right? So the thing is that and they keep talking octane and what they keep saying is that the octane all right is going to give you better fuel economy and and in some instances it has the potential to because a lot of modern a lot of modern engine management systems they say they have well they have multiple timing tables they have what they call and and th- th- these people are calling it a low octane and high octane table well you could possibly call it that because when you're writing code you could call whatever you want you're called mary mary has a little lamb mary has a little pig i mean it makes, it makes no difference what you're identifying the table but what it is it's just like block learn multiplier and integrator on which is uh, on obd2 which is long-term and short-term fuel trim all right is that if it sees so much knock retard then the calibration is going to go to a less aggressive timing table all right so what my argument with them is that if the engine needs more octane than it did five or ten thousand miles ago or when it was brand new then there is something wrong all right and the wrong usually is carbon deposits and it's all because the hysteresis of knock so i'm not denying that if your engine is octane hungry and you put more octane fuel however you get this octane and you don't evoke that knock sensor which is now going to pull out a ton of timing for so many cycles of the crankshaft afterwards to cool off the piston and you're not in that hysteresis of knock zone all right then what is going to happen is that you are you are going to get better fuel economy you can get better performance because you're not retarding the timing but if you have a carbon laden engine and it's very carbon laden or uh, and it's it's so it's prone to an abnormal combustion event and now you octane the hell out of it right and it doesn't have that yeah it's going to feel like it picked up 50 horsepower i'm not going to deny that because it probably did pick up 50 horsepower but it picked up 50 horsepower simply because it wasn't because of the octane it was the octane was masking was masking the carbon laden cylinders and the abnormal combustion event and then the timing was just responding to the hysteresis of knock so let's get beyond the hysteresis of knock and let's look at the hysteresis just broadly painting it with a broad brush of other aspects of tools or equipment that you're going to have either on your farm in your shop or or on your equi- uh, farm your equipment i'm sorry to say that before farm equipment grain bin dryers what have you well pump is that it's very important for you to become familiar with the hysteresis so we're gonna i'm gonna repeat that again it's the turn on turn off point all right all right we're not sensor it's a little bit different but turn on turn off point so if you hear for instance 
like I'm blessed because my office is in the basement. We have a submersible well pump, right? So my water tank, my well tank is in the basement. So the pump is obviously outside and it's in the basement. The tank is in the basement. So every time I can't hear the pump run, but I can hear the tank filling. All right. And, and if I'm, I mean, I'm quiet, I'm here by myself unless I'm doing a podcast or a radio show. But if I'm writing, if I'm working on a magazine story or an article for my website or for somebody else, all right, then I'm quiet. And I could hear the contacts close on the pump switch and I could hear to a certain extent the water filling the tank. So I pay attention. All right. And I say to myself, geez, you know, all right, I'm not jumping up every day. I mean, every five minutes and looking at the gauge, but it's important for you to look at that gauge every once in a while and to pay attention because you want to, I know on my well pump, as I said, I have a 60, a 40, 60 well switch. And the hysteresis is on well switches from what I have seen, a residential type, are always 20 pounds. So there's a, 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 a 30, a, a, a 30, 50. Uh, a 2040 and a 4060 i don't think there's a higher one than that but keep in mind also is that for instance on a well tank right on a well pump the higher did you have that set the hysteresis is sort of hysteresis is 20 20 psi that the less storage capacity your tank has so the same thing is we have a hot water boiler so if you look at it there's a there's a set point for the boiler for the for the boiler to turn on and um, to make the the not the domestic hot water but the hot water that's used used to to go through the uh, baseboards all right so i think mine is set at 170 and 145 so that's a hysteresis i may have those numbers wrong all right but or they're close to being right well i think maybe one 90 i don't remember maybe 180 and 172 or something i don't remember but no it's more than eight degrees excuse me but whatever but that's a hysteresis so the thing is that if you go and if you listen say boy this this boiler is 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 cycling back and forth all right then that is for you to look at if you have a hysteresis on your grain bin dryer you have a hysteresis on your refrigerator you have a hysteresis on your chiller and your dairy barn, all right? So you have all these all these elements, they have a hysteresis, and it's a good idea for you to familiarize yourself with the hysteresis, and I use the hysteresis of knock as a learning tool, but you could tell you have a sh- compressor in your shop, and you say, geez, you know, the compressor is, 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 is you only ran five minutes ago, and it's shutting, it's running again, what's going on? And then you find out that you have a, a leak in a line someplace that you didn't, that you weren't able to hear, all right, and that's why it's bleeding down, so the hysteresis is going to be the same, but you could have a problem with the with the with the control logic which usually is a mechanical switch i mean on a uh the thing is that and that could start to fail or skew and the hysteresis for instance we'll stick with a well pump because it's so simple so the switch could start to start to skew and instead of the hysteresis being 20 pounds of pressure in the water tank it's down to 10 pounds and now you say why is that pump short cycling so much all right or why is this short cycling so it's very very important for you to become familiar with and you know familiarity with equipment and i don't care what it is 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 going to be paramount paramount in you being able to catch a problem before it becomes possibly a major problem or before you have a complete failure so for instance and i'm going to use this as an example i mean i don't have water steer but let's say you you you're in the, you're planting right we're, in a, we're going into the winter now but down south they're planting and maybe out in arizona too right so uh texas but a winter wheat uh, or something or summer wheat probably now but anyway uh and so you know you're going down the field and you have it on auto steer and you know the, the steering wheel is going back and forth it's correcting so the amount of correction is a hysteresis because it's a pid loop proportional integral derivative all right so it has an algorithm that's excuse me that's created for that to write that to how much correction you have right and the thing is that uh and now you see well geez you know we're still going straight the rows are straight but the steering it's 
it's always correcting to the left. And so, well, that's a good indication that you probably have low tire pressure on that on on uh, on that side that's dragging the wheels to the left. So it's very important, like I say, for you to really, really identify more or less, all right, the the hysteresis of everything that you have, and even if you can't put a quantifiable number on it, because why is that air conditioner short cycling so much? Why is that well pump short cycling? But you know, if you have a pump for irrigation, if you if you have a well pump for your house, for your barn, what have you, you can't be you know totally naive and 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 I don't know what's going on a lot. Who knows? Maybe the cows are drinking a lot of water. Maybe they are drinking a lot of water because it's hot out. But usually usually that is going to be a telltale sign of something else that is happening and it's always more it's i should say historically it is very very it's it's much more efficient to catch this before it became becomes a major problem than when something goes uh, astray and then it breaks and that's one of the reasons why and I'm getting back. I'm going to close as I as I began with my with the total harmonic distortion. And nobody has been able to tell me this. And it's only because I haven't found the proper person. All right. So I'm saying that then nobody knows it. But and that's why I'm always telling you to check. You know your voltage in your shop, in your house, in your barn, what have you, to your grain dryer. All right. The thing is that to check the voltage on. I'm not saying every five minutes. Right, but to check it for for volt for for line voltage, uh, frequency and total harmonic distortion because I'm thinking and I may be wrong. Like with my backup generator, I mean, if it's coming from the power company, I really can't do anything about it. But other than knowing that they're messing up because something is happening, and uh, and you know, keep in mind that I've said this before on the show because I know I have a lot of listeners out west and the God, you know. Let the good Lord please bring rain because not only are the, the, our beautiful major rivers almost out of water for transportation, but the hydroelectric power plants are being strained because of the lack of water. And also they're taking and putting power into the grid from someplace else. So if there's a coal-fired or a natural gas plant a thousand miles away, they're putting some of that online and taxing that to try to feed the where the hydroelectric power is dropping off. And that's going to affect your voltage, your frequency, and possibly your total harmonic distortion. So, but as far as my generator is concerned, or if you're running a backup gen, or a standby generator for your farm or for your, your your livestock operation or running solar panels, is that I tend to think, and I will tell you if I am wrong eventually when I and I may tell you eventually when I find out, is that I think that. THD could be something that could kind of skew and tell you that there's a maybe a problem happening. So maybe something is skewing, let's say, the brushes in your backup generator, or the brush is starting to bounce around a little bit, right? So it's losing spring tension. You'll probably see that in frequency. But like I say, you really have to, and I said this last week in the show, and I don't want to belabor it, but I'm bringing it out for this whole thing with hysteresis, that you really need to identify what is going on with all of your equipment your farm equipment i mean to a casual certain level and be familiar with it all right and just like you would know your livestock or know your children or your wife or your pets and you you could say well geez you know you're just like when my donald disappeared that was out of his character to do that Right, I'm not saying he never went any place. I mean, guy would just you know go walk around the farm, and there's 600 acres behind us that he could go around. But you know, it was out of his character to do that, and ultimately that was not a good thing. All right, so I want you to be understand hysteresis. All right, I would like you to please identify within reason the different hysteresis, the different hysteresis of the equipment you have more or less when your cooling fan comes on your grain bin dryer your heating system your well pump whatever it may be and then keep a mental you don't have to write this down in a notebook keep a mental record of it and be and keep in mind also that on a gasoline engine with a closed loop system is that if you are evoking the hysteresis of knock you are going to have a a a, a 
degradation of the power and fuel economy because it's taking out people are under the impression all oh, it needs to take out to stop knocking no 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 it's taken out it's over correcting as far as that is concerned so it's over correcting to cool off the piston crown so that you don't go right back into that and you want to because otherwise it would go right back into that same abnormal cycle so if you have any questions on hysteresis, specifically the hysteresis of knock, then please reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And I want to thank you so much for, for, for tuning in and for listening. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, my beloved America. And don't forget to get into that contest for the Hot Rod Farmer license plate and the three books, John Deere, Two Cylinders, IH Trucks, and Farmall. Bye-bye.